0: Hello. Hey. I'm in, I'm in Boxtopia, if you haven't seen.
1: Oh my goodness. The boxes, baskets. (laughs)
0: It's annoying.
1: Storage hell.
0: Yeah. Let's play a game. Okay. So, you know, those big storage tubs that you use for moving?
1: Yeah, or Legos, Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But these are like the big, like, black and yellow ones, you know.
1: Oh, they're Um, like... seal them you seal in the kind of the middle those things yeah yeah okay yeah
0: these you don't but it's approximately the same size all right so how many of those do you think we used for kitchen stuff
1: um (laughs)
0: five you're way
1: low whoa
0: (laughs) that's too much 11
1: you guys have a one bedroom apartment (laughs)
0: yeah 11 tubs of kitchen equipment
1: oh my gosh
0: and we haven't even packed liquor so, if you add that together, that's, like, twice as much as the rest of our belongings. You
1: guys are moving a kitchen and your <laughs> camping gear, like, what you use yeah. to, like, sleep over at your kitchen.
0: <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, it's it's ridiculous. That's
1: just too much.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what happens wow. when you marry a chef bartender. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so.
1: It's kitchen and liquor.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad life.
1: Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What are we doing today?
1: Oh. Yeah, what are we doing today? We are going to address some of our listener questions.
0: Yay, I love our listeners. They're cool.
1: They are. They're awesome. And they have good questions.
0: They do, which
1: means you're smart. So I think we're kind of putting on the slate all of the listener questions we have.
0: (laughs) We Um, love them so much. We have to. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get started.
1: All right. uh, Let's start with a question from Blake.
0: Okay. I'll be our question master. All right. All right. uh, Blake says, uh, I just found your podcast. I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, I do have a question for Grady. I'm a middle school social studies teacher and heard on an episode that Grady used to teach but no longer does. Did he stop teaching due to his beliefs on socialism, communism Mm -hmm. or capitalism or some other reason? Uh, I only ask because I teach in Oklahoma and I'm pretty far left and don't want my teaching career getting messed up because of my anti capitalist beliefs
1: fair enough um yeah that
0: probably could happen
1: i kind (laughs) of did a little bit of an obi-wan kenobi thing there so i went back and listened to it because i was like how did i what did i say uh i did say that i had taught in public schools before
0: this Mm. is kind of
1: true from a certain point of view
0: oh yeah yeah Uh, whenever he's like (laughs) your father killed him yeah
1: um i did I, i i did used to teach uh but I also <laughs> did at the time and currently still do teach in yes. public schools. Uh, I guess I was just kind of feeling overly cautious at the time
0: I about feel, yeah. that, feeling coy.
1: Yeah, but I'm—I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I also uh, teach in that subject area, just in Texas instead of Oklahoma. But yeah, I feel that need to hide, maybe need to hide that uh, that side of things. Yeah, uh, it's a—it can be a challenge for sure. I'm kind of cowardly about it. Like I <laughs> never. <laughs> I don't do any person to person organizing, never talk politics with any of my colleagues at all. Yeah. I imagine this has never happened to me, but I imagine if I were asked, like, are you a leftist? Are you a communist? Whatever <laughs> they ask, you know, I would just be like, no.
0: <laughs> I'm, I picture them holding like a pitchfork to your throat, <laughs> with, <laughs> you like one of torches commies? burning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I would, I, I imagine I would just say no. But again, I haven't been asked in like seven years of teaching. So I don't.
0: Yeah, it hasn't come up
1: yeah and i mean I it is kind of a struggle like presenting yourself as neutral in that sense
0: i mean especially when you're teaching history like i i don't think i could like read a, an american history textbook without like fucking wanting to throw it against a wall or laughing or a combination of those
1: yeah i mean you don't have to you de- definitely don't have to do it from the, it's not advisable to do it from the book in terms of what they're <laughs> saying really but uh I don't know. I try not to. I don't think it's helpful to try to directly indoctrinate students or anything. I mean, it's kind of overbearing, kind of tacky. Damn. tacky. Um, and of course, it would probably lead to a shortening of your career as Blake was talking about. Probably. But like, there's a lot of opportunity even in a very conservative curriculum, as I imagine he has, too, to kind of get students to kind of ask the right questions about our world and stuff. And they know, man, like they have a sense of justice and a sense of right and wrong. And, you know, you can, I, for example, take the controversial stances of being uh, against, you know, slavery and <laughs> discrimination oh, and genocide, you know, <gasps>
0: whoa, slow your roll.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is which is fine to do. But I mean, it's <laughs> technically a political stance even in our current Jeez. world
0: well yeah like i like i said with the textbooks weren't they like in some states framing slavery as just like they were they're bringing they were, what, in what, workers they're bringing in workers that's what it was
1: yeah <laughs> oh god yeah textbooks do have you know biases in them for me the more annoying part the, and beside the content it's um just being the man yeah <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that would suck. you're a symbol of authority when you're a teacher and stuff and oh, we're kind yeah. of you know especially uh, we're, we're kind of an anti-authoritarian strand of communist here so yeah <laughs> i'm like
0: so you have to be like put your phone away yeah i'm like
1: i'm <laughs> enforcing the rules but i'm also like i hope you hate this so that one day you don't <laughs> want to follow the rules you yeah
0: know? like don't listen too hard <laughs>
1: yeah like follow the rules for now but kind of internalize a an antagonism toward that yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, a lot of school is pretty fascist.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. They're regulated within an inch of their lives.
0: <laughs> and that's what drives me crazy is they're like, man, they're saying they can't enforce masks. And it's like, I got sent to the ISS because I didn't have my shirt tucked in. And I just definitely didn't go. I just walked once around the cafeteria and went up some stairs instead. Like, they didn't escort me.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, like, left. I guess in that way, it's a pretty good It's a pretty good symbol of our country. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting experience as a leftist being in education that's for sure so blake i feel you
0: yeah do you have any advice
1: any advice i mean i would you know i imagine you keep your cards close to your chest you know keep doing that
0: yeah. <laughs> be careful out there
1: yeah it's hard to i don't have so much advice as just like i guess my experience of it is it's discouraging in a way at least at our level you don't really see the fruition of what you're doing so you're kind of planting seeds but you won't really have a way of knowing if kids kind of come around to this because i mean right now they're reflecting their parents (laughs)
0: like
1: they don't have what are you gonna do political ideologies or anything of their own they barely have values of their own they're forming those still you know yeah yeah that's like you're you're kind of like starting them starting to get get them to trying to get them to think you know you're trying to start to, to get them to start questioning things
0: yeah yeah i mean i would say i mean i think one of the reasons that we're leftists is cuz we had a pretty openly <laughs> leftist teacher growing up yeah and i his thing was definitely all about asking the right questions like i will always remember when some kid just was like communism is bad he just went why and that was the first time anyone had ever challenged that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't have a real response to that. It was just uh Yeah, I just shut it down like, but it's oh bad. I don't
0: actually know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you're saying, kids are definitely so much a product of their parents and even the environment. Like <laughs> I am still ashamed to this day. We had a mock election in first grade, and all my friends voted for Bush. So I did too, okay.
1: <laughs> Iraq war, it's your fault.
0: It's my fault. I did oh my it.
1: Oh, gosh. I can't believe that. This
0: is my public apology.
1: You were responsible. That's crazy. Yeah. Well,
0: everyone else <laughs> did it, and I wanted to be like my friends.
1: When I was in elementary school, we did one of those in... We did one in 96 when Clinton was running against Bob Dole, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I voted for Bill Clinton because... The way I remember it anyway, which is notoriously uh-huh. inaccurate, but still, <laughs> yes. the way I remember it is that one of our parents said that Bob Dole was a smoker. And I was <laughs> like, that's not good. I don't like that. I'll vote for Bill Clinton. That's good. So that's wow, why I voted for. Wow, what a for. platform. Yeah, I was anti-smoking.
0: <laughs> that was your most pressing issue? Yep.
1: I, he he got me on with the anti-smoking that's demographic. Hilarious. <laughs>
0: that's hilarious. And I uh, had voted for Nader once, right?
1: No, he voted for Perot.
0: Perot. Okay. And it was one of those dudes. I guess he
1: may have voted for don't oh, actually, no. I don't know. Voted for Perot in one of those. Interesting. Times. Perot is wild. Way interesting, but he's kind of a He's the charts goof. guy, right? Yeah, the charts guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's weird to think he's from Dallas. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I live a few blocks from where, like, his son has a penthouse. Huh. Nice. It's nuts. <laughs> All right. Cool.
1: Thank you, Blake, for your yeah, question and you. for setting the record straight on my teaching career. It's good. Yeah. That I it's okay to clear be shy. that.
0: <laughs> like you said, it's crazy out there. I don't blame you for being a little coy about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just an idiot. I'm just like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm writing a, a book for teens and I'm like, yeah, I'm a communist. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> All right. Next up. Next up. We have Maggie. Maggie it has a question about teachers' unions. Um, they gave us some great compliments. Let's
1: see. Which we appreciated.
0: All right. I was wondering what you guys thought about how people will be fired if they're not performing well. Both my parents are teachers and are kind of badass. So I just assume their opinions are correct on this. Uh, but they really don't like the teachers' unions. They describe it as a closed shop, which I know you guys mentioned isn't legal. Mm-hmm. Um, so several question marks there. Uh, they're in Massachusetts, by the way. They describe it as something that allows shitty teachers to keep their jobs by basically making it impossible to fire them. Um, I guess my question would be this. How do we deal with people who are terrible at their jobs in a communist system? There are many terrible workers in every field. I feel that. (laughs) Uh, So would it just come down to systems in place to ensure quality control? And what would happen to a person if they were kicked out of the workplace? I like these questions. I like all of these questions.
1: Yeah. There's a lot to tackle there. I guess I started with... Uh, researching, not kind of, not very in depth, but kind of researching <laughs> teachers unions in Massachusetts to, to, to yeah. figure out. So they had the Massachusetts teachers association and I'm not really an expert on it, even having done some research. Uh, but I took a look at a couple of school districts there, uh, took a look at the collective bargaining agreements, the CBAs that they had with the, uh, with the school committees that, that the union locals, I guess, had negotiated with the school committees. So like what their teacher contracts ended up okay the agreement so i did want to clear up the closed shop question it's not technically it's not a closed shop because those are officially illegal
0: can you remind me what that is again
1: a closed shop would be that you have to be a member of the union before getting hired Mm. onto a place okay okay the cbas that i looked at had a clause in there that said that the local Will not unlawfully interfere or restrain any person from seeking employment with the school district and during the terms of this agreement. So they can't prevent anybody from working there or being hired there, even if they're not part of the union. OK. And uh, since the this so that this may have previously been a problem with like things called agency fees and stuff, which we talked about in the union episode, which is just. You're, you, they're not membership fees, but you have to pay them to the union yeah. so that, to cover the cost of you, like, of representing you and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little less than a membership fee, but mm-hmm. you still have to pay This it. is
0: like that weird uh, middle ground option, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, uh, since the Supreme Court decision in 2018, they call it the Janus Supreme Court decision. It's got a longer name, but uh, okay. workers no longer have to even pay that. They obviously don't have to be a part of the union and they don't even have to pay those fees to be represented by a collective bargaining agreement. That sucks for them. Well, yeah, you could show up and like, you know, get hired by the school district and not be a part of the union, not pay your dues, not pay even the little half dues and still be represented and still be covered by that collective bargaining agreement. Still get all the benefits of it. So uh, we hope that they wouldn't. But Maggie, if your parents really did not like the union (laughs) and they wanted out, they are free to leave and uh, still get its protections.
0: Uh, Don't do it, Maggie's parents.
1: Because it's because everybody can do that now. (laughs) That's the part on the clothes shop.
0: Okay. Now let's get to bad, bad teachers. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Or bad bad workers in general.
1: Yeah. I found this interesting. I did find a, a, an economics professor named Eunice Han. Eunice did a yeah? Uh, that's a cool name, Eunice.
0: That's a very cool name. That's the ram in Animal Crossing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's nice. a
0: popular villager. Okay,
1: so imagine Eunice then <laughs> um, <laughs> as a prof- economics professor doing a study Aww. for the National Bureau of Economic Research. This was a 2016 study that showed, uh, based on their analysis, that higher states with higher unionization actually uh, tended to have more more effective. Teachers or teachers for really? longer and and higher quality teachers based on assessments and, and various say, yeah, measures and stuff. But like uh, their theory or thesis was that unions demand higher salaries for teachers. Right. hmm. Uh, and the more experience and credentials and stuff you get, which should make you better as a teacher, the more expensive it is for a school district to keep you on board, keep you on the payroll. Yeah. Right. So the idea is that unions tend to give school districts a strong incentive to get rid of ineffective teachers before they work there long enough, usually about a three year window to get tenure well, tenure doesn't mean that you cannot be fired, but it does mean that there is a more complicated and stringent uh,
0: uh, it's a process. process
1: in place. Yeah. To. Okay. To- That you have to go through to fire someone. So you want to make sure in the probationary period, they call it Mm -hmm. to weed out anybody that you don't actually want there, because once that's up, then they're going to have a lot more protections. So this argument was that if you're more unionized, school districts have an incentive to make sure that they only have the effective teachers.
0: Because they're going to have to pay them pretty well. So they might as well be good teachers is what they're thinking, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So anybody that they keep, they want to make sure that they're actually good because, yeah, you're right. They're going to have to pay them more.
0: So you could be an yeah. asshole and be like on your best behavior for three years and just be like, fuck off
1: afterwards. Sort of. So I was I mean, at yeah, that.
0: there's still a process to get fired. So
1: I think could. that the process there is how so mm, there is a process to get fired. I was looking at that, however, and it is really long. <laughs> um, and it's really detailed in Massachusetts. Anyway, the way it looks to me, um, is that normally it's really easy to deal with the evaluation process because normally you can kind of do it informally, as long as you're like this teacher's fine. I'm not going to fire this teacher. Mm-hmm. You just check the boxes. I mean, you do your observations, whatever. It's uh. really kind of casual because like. You're not going to fire them. They're not going to complain. You didn't do my evaluation stringently enough, because <laughs> it's fine. Like no yeah, problem. Who right? would do that? When you're, however, deciding actually this teacher is kind of crappy. Yeah, I know it's we we sh- we've had a lot of complaints. So we want to get rid of them, or like they said in the example, like oh well they can't fire me anyways, and they're like terrible or whatever. Like yeah yeah. You face a teacher like that, then you have to follow that process. And you have to follow it stringently because you know that what are they going to do? They're going to complain. They're going to contest it. Yeah. You know, they're going to make sure and kind of rightfully so uh, that they're, you know, you dot every I, you cross every T, um, every step is followed before they're terminated because, you know, that's uh, they want multiple chances to fix fix things because like if they lose that they have very real threats to their material be- well-being.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense on some level.
1: In our society like it's a big threat if you are if you lose your job.
0: Yeah, and there's a difference between, you know, losing your job from a layoff and then getting fired. Like that's that's going to be harder to find a job. <laughs> like when people ask you why do you leave? That's going to be awkward.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And and if they if someone has bothered to go through the formal process of terminating you,
0: you must have done pretty then, bad.
1: Yeah, it's going. It's not <laughs> going to look good, I don't imagine. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a tough one because...
0: Yeah, what's a better system for this?
1: Well, I think in socialism or in communism, some things are kind of already addressed or alleviated from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, losing your job would not be as catastrophic. Yeah. You'd still have your basic needs taken care of.
0: Yeah. So if someone, if you lost a job in that scenario... It'd be like, okay, well, now I know teaching's not for me. Moving on.
1: Yeah. Unions wouldn't feel the need to put into place such stringent protections because they're no it's no longer a bulwark against utter ruin.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: You know, it's now a protection for your professional, you know, standards and stuff, but it's not like let's keep make sure that everybody can eat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Another thing I think is that you would have fewer people coming in just to get a paycheck.
0: Yeah, that's a huge problem in Texas.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't have people saying, "Well, I gotta eat somehow. i well, I guess I'll try teaching." Yep. Because, well, you don't have to bother to do that to to be yeah, able to yeah. eat and everything. You and know?
0: the job market will be much more equitable. You know,
1: and it should mean more motivated workers, right? Like people in who theory. are doing things like they they want because do they that. want to. Yeah. Instead of well, I literally want to survive. <laughs> Another thing I think would be in a socialist or communist society, workers should have more agency at work, you know, more of a say, more kind of democratic workplaces. They should be able to more effectively govern themselves.
0: Yeah. I would love to see less of a centralized and standardized kind of approach to education in general so that, you know, that way departments can determine their own standards and, you know, not so that they can be shitty, (laughs) but... But so that it's actually useful, you know?
1: Yeah, that would be, I don't know. I think it would be good.
0: It'd be difficult. It'd be more work.
1: It does sound like a lot of work.
0: I I just, I know there's so many different types of intelligence and, you know, obviously standardized testing. I mean, teachers fucking hate it. Kids hate it. Everyone hates it. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> so hate that sure. Yeah, there's got to be a better way to do it. I don't know the answer to what that way is, but like. I I think being more, I guess, holistic and flexible in general will be good. And a way to do that would be to be less centralized.
1: Yeah. I wonder if how much of this stems from material competition between schools. Mm. So like schools are in competition with each other to get, well, to get the right people to move to their district. So they have a higher tax base and have more money. That's so gross. So you have to find a way to pump up your scores Pump up your graduation rates.
0: Through the most obscene and seedy methods. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> it encourages that. You know, and, and basically, the regulations are the only ways that stop that. So these standardized processes and everything, they're annoying and I hate them. But if you took them away without taking away like the overall structure, there's still that incentive to just be like, well, we want to pass everybody so that <laughs> everybody graduates and we get good ratings.
0: But if schools are just funded, then you wouldn't have to do that, right?
1: Right. Yeah, you wouldn't have to scrounge for to make sure that you get people with mansions that you can tax. <laughs> yeah. So that you can get no your funding. Yeah. <laughs> if it was just funded normally, they just, here's the money, you need here's the money per people yeah. because you need it. Yeah, uh, exactly. That sort of thing.
0: Ugh, what a world. Yeah. This maybe i'm just fucking too too far left but like that, so it just seems so not radical to me like here's the money for education because you need it like that should not be a fucking ugh.
1: they do it in normal democracies in other countries you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah right. i'm just uh, the dnc like the convention is going on now i'm oh, just like gosh. if someone like just said that that'd be crazy and it's just it's so sad
1: yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, since it can't be turned into a crazy tax credit scheme, then it's off yeah. the platform. You we got
0: to make it wonkier. Yeah. We'll just find, we'll wa- find a way to add 12 more words to that sentence in a way that makes it sound more complicated, but it's the same thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. We have to, we have, we should dress this up think tank style and present it to them and see what they think. And they'll, uh-huh. Oh, this sounds great. <laughs> I'm sure they'd figure just, it out eventually.
0: Yeah. We have to come with several binders
1: and yeah, then then they'll sell it <laughs> but yeah I, th- I agree i guess governing themselves in standards to in terms of professional standards educational standards i think that that would be a way to improve the situation within the context of a larger socialist society like yeah. i said i don't think just transforming the schools is going to yeah that might help itself, unless work. you're changing like the underlying funding mechanism and all that uh,
0: it's almost like money is the problem with everything. <laughs> Whoa, man. Uh, so I I read a teacher's advice column because I read advice columns.
1: So it's an advice column geared towards te- uh, teachers or done by a teacher?
0: Um, They do some that's like ask a teacher and, and it's run by teachers. And then they've been doing a series of articles by teachers talking about like reopening.
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah. there was this one talking about like, outside school options like having school outdoors and it's really interesting i mean my first thought is like fuck you like it's way too hot right now Uh, (laughs) um like i'm like man if you lived in like a normal habitable place that'd be great yeah
1: in texas you could do home ec outdoors because you could fry (laughs) the eggs on the sidewalk
0: (laughs) exactly do some like horrible science experiments on temperature yeah yeah (laughs) but i mean yeah you could do it for like a few weeks in fall and that's it
1: (laughs) oh gosh some days i would love to do that Oh, I mean, yeah. It looks Ugh. lovely. And maybe oh, they'll let wait. us do that this year because this year will be so fucking weird. Dude, yeah. So that's a possibility, I guess. I'll definitely try it come fall.
0: There's lots of studies that show that like it's really good for engaging, especially younger kids, but even just like kids of all ages. Yeah, everyone. And yeah. it's like just really good for them, especially for people who are like less traditional learners. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really interesting area because it is so localized. It does depend on weather. And they're saying that even in places that have rain, like just fucking take them out in the rain. Like most if you live in a place that has a lot of rain, the kids have rain gear, you know, <laughs> like for the most part. And if mm-hmm. they don't, the school can provide some. Yeah. But I just think even that kind of breakdown and centralizing, like every school has to have their own plan kind of leads to this weird innovation. You know, it's obviously terrible circumstances. <laughs> yeah. But still, I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I We we both had that kind of uh, localized preference you know we're anarcho-communist i guess yeah that's
0: that's our stripe
1: so i guess the way this would look is you know schools would be motivated to try to you know or more broadly speaking workers you know if you're talking about getting rid of shitty workers in any (laughs) environment we've all had a
0: shitty uh, (laughs) co-worker
1: oh yeah (laughs) or we've been them i mean i was gonna say I might be one no judgment (laughs) but like you know workers would be trying to improve their workplace and stuff in an effort to better produce for their commune or if you're talking like a socialism light situation like a social democracy or social or democratic socialist they might be producing you know like in a workers co-op within a like kind of market socialist society or something
0: yeah i keep coming back to what you're saying earlier about it not being a desperate situation when you lose your job Mm -hmm. because that would change so many things like it like right now you're locked into careers early as fucking sixteen because that's when you start looking at colleges and like that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so like we could actually have like a work program where like you go around and try some shit and like, yeah, you're gonna be bad at some things and that's okay. Like you're allowed to fail in the system because the system will support you. Like, oh what a what a dream.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The old quote of from Marks of fishing in the morning, hunting in the afternoon, rearing oh. cattle in the evening doing critical theory at night without ever becoming a hunter a fisherman a shepherd or a critic
0: marx would have loved animal crossing i'm just saying
1: yep it all boils back down it. to <laughs> chilling on your island and animal <laughs> crossing that's our dream folks it's true sign up now communism please <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh but uh, yeah, right, yeah man i would love that i'm trying to think if we didn't cover anything on on kicking people out i mean yeah basically it's not a big deal okay cool
1: i guess yeah it's not as big of a deal but you would have to set standards and you could set them more rigidly and say we're actually going to kick you out if we are not any good
0: and it's mm-hmm. also not
1: going to be that bad if you get kicked out
0: yeah yeah it's a trade-off
1: yeah. i think that's good you get kicked out more easily but it's fine man don't worry it's
0: okay <laughs> you're gonna be fine
1: that's that's cool uh and you also you had a say sorry yeah you also had a say in setting those standards you know
0: yeah you were part of that meeting <laughs> And not just like a sleep.
1: Yeah. And I think it. this is also a thing with unions in their current structure. A lot of times they are very, there's a lot of vertical hierarchy. We would want to see, I would want to see at least unions that were more horizontal in structure or yeah. uh, more say from the bottom, from the rank and file in yeah. terms of doing that so and and also not too annoying like i don't want to make everybody always go to meetings that's exactly crappy,
0: you know <laughs> i know i sometimes whenever we talk about that i'm like that oh, sounds like a lot of meetings like a lot of work <laughs> determining standards for my workplace sounds like a pain in the ass
1: i've been in enough zoom meetings lately to where i definitely don't want to make anyone <laughs> do any more meetings than they have to
0: yeah i mean bro- more broadly speaking besides teaching i mean teaching we all can all agree is very important I, I think that's also what excites me about a potential like full-on socialist and communist society is we can get rid of the jobs that aren't as important True. <laughs> like yeah. you won't be in meetings all day but like well you know what color should this be and <laughs> I'm, I'm talking shit about my own fucking field here
1: uh i know <laughs> i had to hear a couple of those and
0: well yeah when i oh, stayed with you
1: yeah wow look
0: like you're gonna kill yourself
1: I was just, uh, and I've been in, not of the same nature, but more than a few corporate meetings in my brief foray into that that was just like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. What am I doing? Why are they talking about these acronyms Uh, and all this stuff?
0: I know. And and, and it's like, on the one hand, obviously, I understand that, like, color, yeah, it's important. You can lead the eye. Like, I fucking get it. But sometimes you're having these conversations where you're like, really?
1: (laughs) This is to get someone to use an app more. Or something, yeah. You know,
0: or- yeah, this is just based on like customer research and this is all just to get people to buy more shit. And we will have to worry about that less. And so we can actually like if someone if I had to be in the meeting about that, but it's like, hey, how can we best? Mm-hmm set up our website for here's an app for how to get connected to the fucking new green new deal core. I'd be like, I'm fucking in. Yeah.
1: Or reproductive services. Yeah. Or, you know, useful things like think about this is an important exercise for our listeners. Think about right now, all the people whose minds uh, in their day to day lives are bent toward the task of marketing something to someone.
0: Yeah. Which like most of my friends, (laughs) Guys,
1: they get you get to our project here is to free their minds from that task, from that yoke, and unleash them to do things that would actually make people's lives better, their yeah, own and same, others. You know,
0: same with the insurance industry, like. I think a lot of people, and they're like, oh, then that's killing the whole sector. It's like, no, those people now get to work for, you know, a nationalized system to actually get people care. <laughs> like, yeah. we need administrators for this because it's going to be a big job, you know? Like, yeah, probably some people would still lose jobs, but like, they probably fucking hated it.
1: Yeah, that's something that I <laughs> that I thought about whenever I was vainly listening to our <laughs> episode about the pro- the myths of capitalism. And we mm-hmm. mentioned something about yeah, health insurance industry. Bye. You know, see ya. Yeah. It's like, but those workers actually are going to still have a useful, something useful to do with their career.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That will actually help people instead of prey upon them. Not that they're personally preying on them, but still.
0: Yeah, yeah. I almost quoted my own fucking D&D character. <laughs> I play a robot uh, from like a utop, well, quote unquote utopian robot world where everyone is like programmed with their purpose. And so their catchphrase is find your purpose. And in socialism, everyone gets to find their purpose. Yep.
1: Freely instead of from central programming. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Maggie, for that question. That was excellent.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That was good. And thank you for the compliments. Yes. Um. All right. Next. Next up, we have a fun fact from Kayla. It's not really a fun fact, actually, but it's an interesting not so fact. So fun, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so in the Emma Goldman episode, we talked about the Comstock laws, and Kayla writes in to say that anything considered homosexual was immediately considered obscene, so it was illegal for people to send LGBT zines, pamphlets, etc., through the mail. And she also recommends Lisa Ben as a resource to learn more about that.
1: Interesting. Did you look up Lisa Ben? No, I didn't. Uh so Lisa Ben, that was actually her pen name. She was Edith D. Aid. Yes. And she was like an author uh and fantasy fiction fan uh like fanzines and stuff too. Kind of a pioneer in that movement. She wrote a magazine called Vice Versa. Okay. That she kind of illicitly distributed and stuff because you know she could get in trouble for putting it through the mail and stuff. So she would pass it around for her friends, and it kind of got a wider following. Uh, there was more to her. I kind of wanted to do this, do more research on her in the future and feature yeah. her in in something because it was it was pretty cool.
0: Cool. What like time period was this?
1: So, for instance, she was born in 1921. Holy cow! Yeah she established the magazine vice versa started publishing that in 1947
0: damn okay so not writing star trek fan fiction
1: no no like <laughs> uh like pulp science fiction mm, fan okay fiction, you know i thought it was funny this weird story from her boss who advised her she was a secretary at rko studios and her boss told her hey there's not going to be a lot of work to do around here but please <laughs> look busy <laughs>
0: I love that.
1: <laughs> so she spent the time, like, making carbon copies of her magazine so she could distribute it to people. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Comstock. Not fun. Comstock, but. again. His, <laughs> one of history's biggest losers.
0: Oh, yeah. That was the big nerd.
1: Yeah. Please don't swear, guys. <laughs> Fuck him. Fucking loser.
0: So, yeah, that, to, as a reminder to our listeners, that was also the law that made mailing birth control and, I think, even information about birth control illegal. So, that sucks. Couldn't mail
1: anything but Bibles back then.
0: <laughs> Only God's mail is allowed through the
1: system. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: dumb. Oh, guess what? What? Um. So Gina's. So remember, Gina had kittens a while back.
1: No, I thought she was oh, well, a human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Funny. All right. So they they took in a strike cat who had mm-hmm. kittens, um, and the that cat's mom is still out and about she's pregnant again and she just had kittens
1: oh my goodness
0: yeah so i might get a kitten. i don't oh. know kyle wants to wait he's like we need to wait till we settle in make sure we can like afford everything and i'm just like but. we
1: also need to wait till it's like not bottle fed
0: yeah i'm like well yeah we can wait until it's old enough and
1: yeah do that it's kismet
0: hmm? it's kismet what does that mean uh like fate it's like a jewish term ah okay i do a lot of crosswords
1: i thought you were describing like a coat pattern or something
0: oh like no i think it's a calico
1: okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway uh,
1: thank you Kayla, for that fact and also for your other suggestions like i've been putting those on our movie to watch list yes so we're gonna check yeah out.
0: keep them coming um, all right next next,
1: next we have, we have a question yeah from paul
0: all the way from scotland Um, He asked what we think will happen to professional sports in a socialist and communist society. He is from Scotland. Big fan of football, as it's called there. And, um, you know, he knows that the wages of the players are really high. But also, he likes soccer. And like, I get it. I like soccer. It's like the one sport I can kind of watch.
1: Yeah, I like a lot of sports pretty much. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and snap time shows i don't like passionately follow anything but like soccer and football Fo- football um, yeah that's really that, in terms of my passionate following
0: kyle watches it. every fucking sport i don't get it
1: i will watch every sport but i don't <laughs> follow every sport you know yeah um, yeah and i really won't i mean i will even watch baseball if it's on and mm-hmm. i don't literally have anything else to do <laughs> but what would we think would happen to sports
0: yeah i like these kinds especially? of questions. Um I feel like we we get quite a few of these people who are like, hey, I'm into this. What would happen to it? And like, Mm -hmm. fair. (laughs) Yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking what would happen to my job because I don't fucking know.
1: (laughs) It's important to kind of. Yeah. To ponder it. You know, you don't have to be doctrinaire about it and be like, well, this is definitely how it will turn out. Because we Mm -hmm. don't know. We're just kind of spitballing. We're just kind of imagining. But I think you work through some things when you you do that. All right. What's your guess or what's your like take
0: on it? (gasps) Let's see. I'm going to follow kind of our similar patterns that we've done, okay. which is if it's, you know, dreamland anarcho-communism, it's going to be a lot more local sports, but that'll be cool. Like, so I think it's really interesting, like, the origins of some of these, like, football and rugby and, and even, like, soccer, too. Sorry, We're Americans. We're going to say soccer. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, a lot of them were just your team was your town. Yeah. And that's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> or you're like, local sports club, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Or your, like, athletic league, which was just, like, your gym almost, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess that would be just like a gym. Um, So, yeah, I would imagine in that case it would be a lot more localized. And that might be difficult, like, for, to arrange travel and stuff if you wanted to play as someone, like, really good or something who lives far away. But I don't know. That sounds kind of cool. What else? But if if we're going full socialism... I mean if it's if it's more of a nationalist stripe, then it's like they're gonna really want them to be good, huh?
1: Oh yeah. I mean <laughs> the Soviets fielded incredible athletic teams for Olympic games and stuff, you know. Yeah.
0: Not yeah. so much soccer. They were bad in our, our version of World Cup ninety eight.
1: Yeah, they were. Well, no, they weren't in ninety eight. That was the you're thinking the people's. I mean in China PR. Time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. China <laughs> PR is what it was on there. Yeah.
0: China PR.
1: Sports I agree, sports would definitely exist for sure.
0: Yeah, well you gotta do it. It's a weird human phenomenon. I don't yeah. get it, but people seem to like it.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about that when watching this uh, sci-fi series, like a series on the sci-fi channel. <laughs> so not the biggest budget affair, but yeah. uh, it was based on the Arthur C. Clark book, Childhood's End. Okay. Uh, which heard is heard of that about, Well, it's really cool. It's about aliens come into earth and just stopping all of our wars and everything single-handedly. And they're just like, you guys, it's going to be fine. We're going to fix all your yeah. problems. And they just That
0: would be great. I yeah. wish I I I wish I believed more. I mean, I believe in aliens, but like, oh man, now would be a great time, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there were a way to kind of tell them that.
1: Well, they come in and they basically just do communism but alien style, you know? It's just like yeah. you have everything you want. It's utopia. It's great. That's oh, all. Okay. Uh and then eventually they like, I don't know, they do some weird thing where they like get the last of humanity to like merge into them and become a galactic consciousness sort of
0: a little dna stuff or
1: something well they just like you know that's just the last of humanity and they they subsume or ascend into this oh weird that's all that part gets strange but
0: i mean sounds like it's worth it <laughs> health or being being sucked up into an alien consciousness i'll take the alien consciousness <laughs> for 500 alex
1: yeah they um still have like you know humans like participate in these sports and arts and stuff like that like that's kind of all we do because we're not we don't have to like work at anything mm-hmm. really so people just and i imagine sometimes like okay what if like an AI consciousness or something took over and you know, that was the future and Mm -hmm. humans would be kind of around in sort of a zoo situation. We're pets. Yeah. We would just, (laughs) one of the interesting things we do is run around, play sports, do athletic activities.
0: Competition. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think that's grim to look at it that way maybe, but it's something that we love. And I don't think that would just go away because there's no more money in it anymore. Like currently, you know, superstars and stuff, they're paid a ton of money by these teams. Mm-hmm. not to convince them to like play the sport, obviously.
0: <laughs> they are into it, yeah.
1: Yeah, they were into it long enough to get good at it, and the mo- m- the majority of that motivation wasn't just, I want to get a yacht and everything, because they could just go be a hedge, hedge fund manager. Yeah, like, yeah,
0: there's easier ways to make money, for sure.
1: Yeah, they do it mostly for the love of the game. The reason these teams pay them so much money is to convince them to play the sport for them and not for yeah. someone else. If there's not another team... You know, if that market is no longer there, they're not just not going to play. I mean, our current crop might. They might be like, whatever.
0: Yeah, fuck I'm off. no longer going to do it. Okay, <laughs> but then we'll get new people.
1: Yeah, people are still going to, you know, play these, play all these sports. You know, you might no longer have like the Barcelonas and the Bayern Munichs and the Manchester uh-huh. Uniteds. You know, you're not going to have the top flight teams or the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Patriots or whatever, right? Yeah, but you're still going to have like. Incredible sports talent still happen Yeah. I think it would definitely be more like you say, though, more local. Yeah. Way less production value, like way less of a spectacle in terms of TV uh, broadcasting.
0: Because that's all sponsored by companies. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> you're going to miss your Pepsi halftime show and your <laughs> Lexus. Shakira's not going to be there. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but you get that.
0: your local guitarist. <laughs> I hope they're good. Jeez,
1: <laughs> I just—it's—it's going to be less on the bright side. It's going to be less uh, of a defense department display at the beginning with all the, <laughs> oh God, the, the flyovers and the army troops and the yeah. flag on the field and all that. That'll be oh. out the window.
0: Yeah, and less ads. No they ads. They might come out and sing the <laughs>
1: international or something, but
0: yeah, yeah, or your Animal Crossing theme. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah kk slider shows up (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i think i I guess that's where we stand on it. Is we think it would continue Uh and mm, here's a question do you think that people would ever reach the athletic heights that they have reached now would they continue to push to those you know better yeah. and better players like because in any sport when you compare today's players with oh yeah it's crazy e- earlier ages you're like how did those guys play <laughs> like they weren't that good to no yeah to what they have now.
0: if they if they went forward in time they'd be they would be losers
1: <laughs> yeah so like do you think people would st- i think people would still push to that. i
0: think so yeah because I, I think that's like we said human nature i will say a lot of sports um like sports medicine is a really big field and like mm-hmm. Like, the way they train, like, for the Olympics and stuff, it's very, like, techie, you know, and, and like, sciencey. I <laughs> I don't know a better word for that. But, you know, I wonder, that probably wouldn't be so much of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that might go down. But I think it, like, a lot of, like, we've talked about this with, like, art and actors and all kinds of things. Some of that, you know, high high level stuff is going to come down, but it'll be more open and accessible to other people. Yeah, like I've heard from people who love going to amateur games. Yeah, like like minor league games are like apparently super fun, and yeah. it sounds like they're fun because it is amateur and because it's more like casual. And I think that would be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, we love going to a local. Uh, I guess that sort of a thing with hockey.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I've heard hockey games are fun for that.
1: The Texas Titans.
0: The Texas Titans. Yeah.
1: Semi-pro, senior A-level hockey team. We started going to that, you know, this past year. But yeah, no, like, there would be, and in in my understanding is, in Britain, you have a lot of lower tier in the, you know, you have English Premier League, but then you have, like, lower tiers than that, mm-hmm. that are, in a lot of cases, like, just getting less and less support and stuff, yeah. uh, attendance and all that. Because all the money and resources and everything is going up to the to the Titans at the top. You know, your your biggest teams in the Premier League are getting everything. And then there's nothing left for the more local teams so that you would see kind of a leveling, I think, between those two.
0: Yeah. And again, this is another point we harp on a lot is that because people have more leisure time, like they will have time Mm -hmm. to pursue these sports just for fun. Like if
1: you're working four hours a day, you know. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I would love a little pickup soccer game like yeah. oh I used to love playing soccer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. And one thing I was thinking about though is that you might uh see a lot more rules changes, a lot more mm. softening of a sport like football. Like
0: localized rules probably.
1: Well oh well that too. Like a spreading of the rule an set thing. and stuff. Yeah, that's how they that's how they originally arrived at like association <laughs> football, regular soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, versus gridiron football or Gaelic football, you know, all this. Uh. <laughs>
0: and rugby, all that shit.
1: But I was thinking in terms of the health risks Ooh, for football, yeah. especially that's American football. Oof. It makes sense in some ways to risk your body and everything like that if you get a payout mm-hmm. that's big enough to cover it. Yeah. Or if you think you're going to. But if you're. I don't know if you would do that. You know, so I mean, I guess you will still be taken care of. Like, it'll mm-hmm. be fine. But
0: then, is it worth that? Yeah. Film pulls away. I mean, I'm. I don't think it's a fun sport to watch, and also I think it's bad for you. So, <laughs> but I know a lot of people really like it. So, like, I sympathize with those people. Like, it's a big deal culturally, and it's like, man, like that would suck to have to like take that away. But also, it seems like it's pretty bad for you.
1: I will be sad if they ever actually just kind of get rid of it, but Mm -hmm. I will, I think I will eventually resign myself to just watching old games and playing video games of it and stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like, it is really barring actual big fundamental changes to the way the game is run. It's very very destructive of human bodies. So Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) but overall i think we've come to a conclusion that sports Sports. would be good keep Uh, them going they would be different um they would be more egalitarian yeah you know lower highs and higher lows that Mm -hmm. sort of thing a leveling. it would
0: be challenging though if you were in a situation where your country was socialist and like you know other people weren't like that it would be hard to keep up probably like because like we said probably more of your resources would go to other things yeah
1: uh cuba has that problem uh america frequently so steal gets all their baseball, baseball players, players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so cuba kind of has to devote a lot of resources to try to you know get perks basically to players to stay in the cuban mm-hmm. leagues i'm sure other countries i do i was just yeah that's reading a- about that on reddit or something when i was doing some reddit research for this <laughs> <laughs> the best kind yeah, for sure. That's a big hole in socialism for one country that Stalin didn't think about was (laughs) sports. Come on, man. What are you going to do? Yeah. But yeah, Paul, awesome question. That was fun to think about.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Paul. All right. Next, we want to get back to our pal, Bob, the capitalist.
1: Bob, our capitalist friend. (laughs) Um, So Bob listened to, took one of our recommendations and didn't like it so much uh, with richard wolf and i kind of conceded the point here he said basically that uh his analysis was kind of shallow and you know not super uh mm, academically i guess rigorous
0: okay i haven't i think i've only listened to him like once and i think i fell asleep (laughs) it was on a car ride
1: i like that he is uh he simplifies things. He's very accessible. Uh, but I can see how that comes across as kind of unsophisticated or cheesy or kind of oversimplified.
0: Yeah. Uh, I definitely get I mean, that. I would say yeah. our show is very simplified. <laughs> we're never well, but, like, let's explain economics to you.
1: Yeah, but we're not. Yeah, we don't bill ourselves as professors, I guess. <laughs> That's true. Definitely don't. I do like appreciate his kind of constant, nearly, harping of, on workers' co-ops. I don't think that they are as universally like going to fix everything as he does. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I got his criticism there. That makes sense, Bob. I, I can see that. Yeah. Um But then he pointed us to David Harvey.
0: What's up with David Harvey?
1: Did you take a, did you um, branch out and listen to it?
0: No homework. For you. I'm fucking trying to move.
1: Slacker over here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you come back all this shit and clean my apartment.
1: Uh, I am liking David Harvey a lot. I'm only like eight episodes in, but the guy has a great accent, first of all, British. I mean,
0: two first names, he could be a country star.
1: That's the rule. (laughs) He would be a very strange country star with his (laughs) accent. Um, Like an old British man, basically. Okay. And he's got that kind of great professor voice and cadence sort of thing going on.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: And he's got a very consistent, compelling, and insightful a historical analysis of capitalism and its contradictions. He kind of focuses on at least at this part so far uh, on the neoliberal turn of like the 1970s mm. trying to tell a story kind of how we are where we are.
0: Um, okay. It's very
1: interesting. and It makes sense and it is nuanced. So I think that's one of the things that Bob appreciates about it um, is that he's not afraid to kind of pull little details out and look at that.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. So, I'll check him out.
1: Yeah, That's I recommend awesome. it. Um, I'm I'm starting at the beginning because it's, I think. I'm going to ask, it, is
0: there a good jumping in point?
1: I don't know of an earlier one, but he started in 2018, I think. And it's not okay. that many episodes. Like, you don't have to look, hit show more. <laughs> okay, to, good. <laughs> so, it's a good cool. one. Check it out. Cool. It's called, I didn't ever get the title, I just told the guy's <laughs> name. It's called David Harvey's Anti-Capitalist Chronicles, which hey, could use, a good name. Some, it sounds like a fantasy novel, but.
0: Oh, it does kind of the chronicles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just focused on the anti-capitalist part and I was like, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm predicting. Um,
1: yeah. So thanks, Bob, for the, for the tip. I yeah. now have another podcast to listen to like I needed it, but I like it. Yeah, I don't want to sound ungrateful. Oh, these
0: are like <laughs> short too. That's good.
1: Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm.
0: I like that. Because I was like, oh, fuck, this sounds like a lot of work.
1: (laughs) No, it keeps them bite-sized because I think it is denser, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, cool. I'll check that out. Because I I do not consider myself well-versed in economics, so I I feel like I barely did well in that (laughs) school. All right, right. next up, we have Dirk from Iowa.
1: (laughs) Iowa. Which episode did we do some? Shit. That was, in,
0: that was in that, I think. Mm, or okay. it might have been earlier. It's all a It's
1: probably you doing it. You're it notoriously anti Iowan.
0: <laughs> that was me. Um <laughs> so they, they write in to tell us a little bit about Iowa and they they said that the uh the new metal band Slipknot, the front man is from there. So props to Iowa for that. I'm not a slipknot person, but I understand they are culturally a big deal. <laughs>
1: so. Nice, yeah. Yeah, it's One of the few genres I don't get too much into, but I do have friends that like, you know, kind of metal stuff. So,
0: yeah, I appreciate metal for it's like um, technical skills, but Mm -hmm. I I don't find it pleasant to listen to. But I'm like, I get why you like it. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Also, Iowa is a major agricultural state. Uh, They are one of the highest producers of corn, uh, producing close to three billion bushels a year.
1: That is a ton of corn. That's a lot of corn. Three corn, billion Corn, bushes. corn, corn. Corn for days, for years, probably.
0: <laughs> so much corn. Uh, they also have a lot of livestock. The ratio of seven pigs to every one person, not counting the police. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> good. That's a good joke, oh, Dirk.
1: Oh, I like it.
0: Very good joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, that's cool, man. We didn't give a lot of credit to Iowa for being such a a producer.
0: Yeah, um, no, that's awesome. I I think I try not to shit on rural places cuz like I think that's a bad take. But um I think for me personally, my move from a more rural place to an urban place was great for me. You're but a city I also pig. understand. Yeah, I'm I'm a city pig. It's the deal. I'm babe pig in the city. But you do you, Iowa.
1: Yeah, and that's cool. It's like not that glamorous, you know, and it's easy to be like country bumpkins, you know. Yeah. But uh But But they do a lot for us. Yeah. That's obviously worthwhile and and should be more valued uh, than it is.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Dirk's question. Um, Do you feel that Americans commonly associating communism with Russian and USSR culture hurts the spread of left-wing ideology in America? Communism in America is commonly associated with Russian culture, even though communism isn't inherently Russian. I believe a lot of this anti-Russian view originates in the educational system's portrayal and from my understanding, the Soviets were the first state to attempt to implement communism on a wide scale, and that's why it's attributed to them. Um, they give examples like the color red, fists and tools, even Russian words and phrases. See our album art. <laughs> 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 I definitely was just like, fuck it. Symbols <laughs> are Soviet stuff, yeah. And yeah. Do you believe this correlation is because a lot of inspiration comes from Russia, or that's just what communist aesthetics are? Should we work on creating a new culture to avoid this stigma? Um, I really like this question as, as a visual person. I think this yeah, is Yeah, cool.
1: this was interesting. That's I'm going to take it from the top, I guess. Uh, yeah. Let's start with the first thing. Do we think that the association hurts the spread of leftism? Huh. I think it does.
0: I think so, too. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast, because I was very tired of being like, socialism sounds cool. And everyone being like, what about Russia? so. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's really annoying to have to shut that down every single time Mm -hmm. and and for every single situation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think it, it opens it up to, like you said, these attacks, even if they're stupid, you know, and they're, they're nationalist and and, and dumb or whatever, but they paint leftist ideologies as foreign or un-American or what have you, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in our episodes on Russia, we, I mean, we've tried to be pretty objective about it. Like, yeah, they've done some bad shit, and like, we shouldn't try to be like them. Like, I, I'm inspired by Emma Goldman, where it's like, yeah, talk shit about them because
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> they sure. did bad stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, and that makes us like lousy left comms or whatever. And that's fine. I mean, you can, whatever. you can have that criticism of us. That's okay. <laughs> but we do like to call out crap when we see it. Stalin sucked. Stalin. Ugh. <laughs> the worst. Uh, I, Agreed with Dirk's mention of uh, this anti-Russian view originating in the educational system's portrayal of communism and socialism and everything. Definitely, I think that's stoked in education and popular media. Oh, yeah. And this this is an old phenomenon. This is from the days of the first Red Scare when Bolshevism kind of first made its rise on the internet. There was the the Russian Revolution and Mm -hmm. everybody, all the capitals were scared shitless because... They thought their heads were going to be next, you know?
0: So was it easy for them then to paint almost like a a nationalist picture of it? Like, you know, just othering this other place, you know, saying that's that's what Russia does. That's That's crazy. We don't fuck with that.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even before the Russian Revolution, if you look at something like the Haymarket Affair and things like that, Mm -hmm. uh, which we've talked about before, that's in the 1880s. Uh, Back then they were targeting anarchists um, and socialist labor movements and things. Uh, They were targeting those and characterizing them as foreign because so many of the workers and the leaders in those movements were foreign born immigrants from Germany and other places.
0: Or the those Italian guys that got Mm -hmm. executed. They were also it was very like anti-immigrant sentiment, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, All that kind of served the the establishment's purposes of delegitimizing it, you know, making Mm -hmm. un-American and playing into that. They've done that for so long. (laughs) Um, So I do think that, you know, that association kind of hurts. I agree. Leftism.
0: Yeah. I try to view it as more of an inside joke, if that makes sense. Like, I will reference those things, just be like, oh, yeah or whatever like like i'll i'll just use it as like a smell test to see like who knows about it and who like can kind of joke about it you know what Uh i mean like obviously i don't want us to be russia i just like i think it's funny
1: it's a cool aesthetic uh that's what he he mentions in here too is like is is it just because it's cool yeah yeah i mean it kind of (laughs) is it's
0: pretty cool red is a power color
1: it's wonderful to use (laughs) and to call back to and red has kind of long roots um, as far as uh, being used for workers' movements. I don't think that leftists have to rely just on like Soviet-style imagery, even Mm -hmm. if we want to use old stuff and kind of call back to historical roots. There's a lot of history in the American socialist movement we were talking about before the show, maybe even doing another episode on that, or maybe making that our next episode. That'd be cool. Um, There's a long tradition of... Socialist parties, of uh, revolutionary labor movements, uh, and unions going so far back as 1876 in the United States. Before wow. the Russian Revolution and anything, you know? Yeah. And you don't
0: hear about this, by the way.
1: No, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it's, it's supposed it's to be buried. imported and foreign and crazy and weird and don't do it. Mm-hmm. But we had our own, you know, labor movement and everything and socialist political movement here in America that wasn't foreign inspired, that wasn't dominated by, you know, agents in Moscow or anything like that. Yeah. They had symbols like an arm and a hammer was one. Mm, of yeah, the, I've seen that one. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the socialist labor party of America's logo, the international workers of the world. That was a, a militant uh, labor union. They published their little red songbook. You know, people Mm -hmm. think of Chairman Mao with the Little Red Book or something when they Mm -hmm. think of that. But the Little Red Songbook was from 1909, and it was like a book of like Union hymns and stuff. Oh, Uh, cool. It included songs like The Red Flag, which was written by an Irish socialist in 1889. The Red Flag symbol, I did some cursory research on that way back to well before the Bolsheviks used it as the Soviet Union flag, you know? Yeah. Uh, Way back as into the... Something called the oh the Mirthir Rising, in Wales. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't I'll know if that's you. how you pronounce it. Uh, that was kind of the first time it was used for a workers' revolt. So there's just like a lot of instances of this happening well before, you know, the Soviets come onto the scene. So there's a lot of history we could harken back to if we do want to get to old symbols and stuff and tap into that that aren't really grounded in Russian influence.
0: Uh, one that I've seen come up more is the the Labor Party's Rose. Um, that one Ooh. got really big whenever yeah. they had their recent election. And now I just see it being used all the time. That's how you know someone's cool on Twitter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's the, uh, oh, I've seen, yeah, the little the the emoji one, right? Yeah. The little, uh-huh.
0: And even historically, I have a great book called The Secret Lives of Color uh, mm-hmm. by uh, Cassia St. Clair. And they go, like, through the rainbow and they go, like, color by color and, like, talk about the origins of it. And, you know, red, like, evolutionarily has always been a very important color, like, obviously it means blood, <laughs> something's wrong. Yeah. And so, like, it has a lot of these, like, very visceral associations, which is why I think it kind of holds true in a lot of these movements.
1: Yeah. What did you think about the part where you mentioned, should we create something new? I'm into it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think we need a real leftist movement in this country anyway i'm ready for it i'm here
1: in this country worldwide yes (laughs)
0: so i don't know what that would be uh i have no fucking clue but i'm (laughs) i'm down for it yeah Um,
1: me too I. what could what direction could that go in what could that look like like i have no idea
0: i don't i mean i think it depends what they're going for let me do a quick branding exercise (laughs) okay so if we're going socialist i think the best way to do that and i think something that has been effective in the past is hearkening back to the fucking new deal and like i know it's been done before but like i think no one's gonna say that was bad (laughs) and i think that was a frustrating part of of watching like Bernie's campaign. She's like, just fucking say it's the New Deal again. Just say New Deal 2, the Bernie. <laughs> like, because <laughs> like people liked that and it was yeah. good. We all agree it was good. Like, I think that's a super easy aesthetic to put your hang your hat on. Um, you know, we mentioned a lot the, um, Works Progress Administration, like those cool ass posters, the national parks posters, like that. If I had done to tell you how many fucking pitches I've heard, like, oh, what if it's a series of posters and it looks like national parks? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very common trope but it's a good trope
1: damn uh, well it's good like i can do i was gonna say <laughs> it's there good. goes my it's career good. in advertising but, okay
0: <laughs> it's good it, it isn't the right fit for everything but if you can pull it off and you can do a good job then it's great okay um a lot of people do shitty ones so Fair don't enough. do that <laughs> um but no it's 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 something inspiring. It's something, if you're going a little more nationalist in flavor, I think it could work. Because it's like, let's all work together and build this one uh, cool ass thing, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Do
1: it for your country, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's an option. Now, I think if we're going anarcho, I think punk's the way to go. I think you get your weirdest fucking cartoonists out there drawing some nasty shit, showing the horrors of capitalism. That's
1: during revolution time. We're trying to get people on board. No. afterwards, I don't know. Do you think that the punk aesthetic is really gonna, what is it, <laughs> play on Main Street, I guess?
0: I guess, well, no, I guess not. That's just from my circles. That's what I see in leftist art. So, yeah. <laughs> um, no, probably not. I mean, it will, but I mean, we're trying to go for a revolution. I don't think Main Street, I mean, I don't know how to get them.
1: I guess it doesn't do us a lot of good to try to figure out how it's going <laughs> to look. But I do think that it would make sense um for the left to kind of move in new directions create their own symbols their own new culture you know mm-hmm. like you were saying their own kind of brand i guess in the capital yeah sense. i
0: would if we're talking about zoom meetings you'd pay attention to i'd pay attention to that one <laughs> sign me up put me on that committee
1: yeah um i hope that happens and i hope i see <laughs> what you know get to see what like what cool shit they're coming yeah. up with and they're like oh yeah
0: I feel like every day I'm just like, man, I wish we had a big left movement. I don't know how to even get the movement, much less how the fuck it would look. So
1: no, I think a lot of people are in that boat of we want we want to see this happening, but we don't want to do anything to make it happen or do anything too difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Or really, you know, put in the work. I feel that's that. Required.
0: I mean, it's very daunting. You know, like I, I mean, I think that's why people, including myself, have latched onto DSA because it's like, well, at least there's some framework there, you know? That's why we're like, okay, fuck, it's a big tent and it's not perfect, but like, it's something, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think that's why we're recording this when the Democratic Party's...
0: The clown show?
1: Clown show, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Their convention.
0: The the dry white bread toast convention.
1: And yesterday they had the terrible spectacle of and you poor bernie's ass out there to
0: let that man rest
1: to say you know vote for joe i think that that's one reason behind people wanting to run bernie and the democratic party and and do kind of an insurgency from within it because you can capture if you can capture like an already existing party apparatus that people are familiar exactly. with and just change it into what you want you don't have to build something new or Mm -hmm. try to try to build up that's just like not an
0: option i feel like it's like we tried it twice it didn't fucking work
1: yeah (laughs) it's just not gonna work i would agree i mean you could try using a not so new third party i mean you could try using the green party or something like that yeah i don't think there's any more hope (laughs) in a leftist project within the democratic party
0: i don't either and i think with america in particular i think they're i think my my thesis is i think a lot of people could be persuaded i think it's just about how you sell it to them like it sucks but i think we might have to hide some of this shit you know like mashing up vegetables and mac and cheese you
1: know so you're saying we should be saying teach me the new deal
0: maybe maybe (laughs) i mean i'm saying we should be We should be talking more about the benefits they're getting and like, you know, sell it to them, really, instead of being like, you know, overthrow, you know, (laughs) fuck it, you know.
1: But she's making an argument for like social democracy or democratic socialism is incremental change, slowly uh, do it so that people don't notice, you know. I
0: mean, we we come back to this all the time. There really are two avenues for this. Do you want to do it that way or do you want to fucking burn some shit down? (laughs) I don't know if you can sell people on burning shit down.
1: I don't think you can. Well, I sure it's possible, but you know, when we look at revolutions and when we, we've said this before on the podcast, when we look at uh anytime people are going into anarchist situation, like the Spanish civil war, or when people are starting revolutions in the Russian revolution, or it would be the same in the Cuban example or anywhere is it's in times of crisis, you know, it's yeah. in t- when things are really shitty. So I don't think we can choose whether or not to do revolution that just happens if it's bad that's true but if it's good in you know while it's good you should be trying i guess i mean i do guess incite? you should be trying reforms no I, I mean oh okay unless you're an asshole and you want to like an accelerationist and that's what you would call it where you Propaganda want to make to it deem. worse <laughs> yeah you want to like deliberately make things worse uh, so you're trying to like, sink it yeah that's that's accelerationism <laughs> don't do that. i don't i think that's shitty because you're that playing with people's lives yeah I mean, in the meantime, I think you try to make things better. And that's basically puts us in the, you know, in the SOC Dems and the, the Social Democrats, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes back to my internal conflict of, oh, I want the revolution. I'm just scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I wish I had the answer. Here's the thing. I think even if I had the answer, I'm too fucking lazy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. yeah, I think it's really just going to take a mass rage, which, you know, honestly, recently I feel like we got kind of close with all the protests and with being a fucking pandemic. And I think people, more and more people are realizing every day that like, oh, wow, like our government really does not give a shit. Yeah. But I also feel like people feel more and more disenfranchised, like, well, what the fuck am I going to do about it?
1: Yeah, I would say that, I don't know, we got close and not close at the same time. That's a situation where electoralism kind of would matter. I mean, if you ha- if you did have a unified Democratic Party control of the political apparatus at that time and they had been people that you had the left primary challengers at all won, So it was kind of a slight a left of center Democratic mm-hmm. Party. If it was Bernie Sanders Democratic Party at all levels levels and holding all levers of government when the pandemic and shit happened or when the black lives matter and uh george floyd protests kicked off
0: that would have been enough to break people
1: well imagine what sorts of reforms or you know what they would have given you know yeah
0: yeah that's true
1: like you don't have as fascist of a (laughs) repression reaction going on you know yeah yeah it's probably still not going to be great it's america it's an empire but
0: but i'm i'm willing to push for better,
1: yeah, you're kind of. I guess electoralism boils down to kind of trying to put someone that you can bully more effectively. <laughs> yeah, who, in who looks like
0: the weeniest person you can take their lunch money from.
1: Yeah, you want to put <laughs> that person in power, whoever you think you can pick up, shake out their pockets.
0: Oh, nerds twenty twenty, <laughs> but not wonky nerds. I guess doofuses maybe. So Himbos. they're stupid. Himbo's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for it. Uh, okay. I have to order food because I'm starving.
1: All right. Uh, Dirk, thank you for your question about American communist culture and should we build something new?
0: I think it's interesting. Uh,
1: we we're kind of inconclusive. We yeah. Think we should kind of maybe go in new directions, but th- there is a lot of stuff that we could draw on that is not wouldn't suffer from Russophobia or anything because it's not Russian. So for next time, what do you want to learn about?
0: I want to learn more about the history of socialism and communism in the States. Um, All right. I feel like we've done quite a few episodes on Russia. And like this question points out this, this last listener question, we have our own culture here too. So I want to learn more about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's such a good point that Dirk brought out there with that question. So. Let's explore it further. We yeah. barely touched on it today. There's a ton there, though. I've got like, you know, eight Wikipedia tabs open of various <laughs> different things that I've got to say for later for this. So, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Socialist and communist uh, leftist parties in the United States.
0: Cool. I'm excited. All right. Um, you can find us online, we're on Twitter. At Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. If you want to send your own listener question or just nice things to say, whatever you want to say, uh, Teach Me Communism at gmail.com. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we really like those.
1: Yes, we do.
0: Uh, we're on YouTube now. Just search for Teach Me Communism on YouTube. Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash Teach Me Communism. And we are uploading notes for that for some of our episodes so you can see how we
1: are you can peek behind the scenes yes into our brains
0: yes (laughs) see how smooth they are all right thank you for teaching me communism
1: anytime thanks for being a great student and a great uh co-host in this sense we didn't i mean like i wasn't breaking down a topic for you this time you did
0: more research than i did which was zero because my (laughs) whole life is in boxes (laughs)
1: Fair enough. Uh, in 11 boxes or something?
0: <laughs> 11 kitchen? only kitchen.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: It's S- Impressive. Stupid. This will be hopefully <laughs> the last episode I have to record in my bedroom uh, <laughs> with this ridiculous setup <laughs> in the dark, basically, because we don't have a good light source here, so... Yeah. Oh, next time we'll be in my studio
1: and next time listeners will be next week when you can catch another episode of teach me communism where the class struggle is always in session bye y'all bye.